Live from this is the Just End the Suffering Podcast. For the win. Got it! Oh, he broke his head. Follow me. Follow me with freedom. Here's your host, Mike Phillips. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the latest episode of the Just End the Suffering Podcast, which is New York Sports Talk and Long Suffering Fam. Your host, Mike Phillips. It's been a busy week on the podcast this week. In case you missed it earlier this week, we had our big Star Wars movie ranking special at the sky. because over two hours of Star Wars. This guy, if you're interested in that, that's in the archives. Today, we're going into the sports a little bit. We had a wild trade deadline last week. We're going to be joined in just a minute by Dan Federico. Covers the Yankees. We're going to talk about the big moves of the Yankees. Mets made a move to talk about the trade down here, which was a lot of fun, I got to say. Right back to some of my favorite like trade deadlines as a kid, watching some of the action flying fast and furious. Let's talk about that in a bit. Make sure you're locking into the show for this week's two-minute drill. I'm going to talk about the NFL's vaccine policy now, where they're going to try and make it very hard on teams who have players and they're unvaccinated. We'll get to what that could mean at the end of the show, but we're going to start with our opening tip, where the Mets, we have some concerns here. The trend is not going well, and we're going to take a look at that right after this. Ready for this? The opening tip. And here we go. All right, we are back here at the opening tip. We're going to talk about the Mets for a minute. And the Mets right now are giving us fans a lot of anxiety here. Because the way they've been performing the last two months has not been very good. And they've actually been playing, it feels like it's getting worse since guys have been getting healthier. And I know they still have some injuries that are some big ones right now. Jacob DeGrom's not pitching since July 7th because of tightness in his, fore, in his forearm inflammation. He got shut down again for two more weeks. We're not going to see him again until September because he has to have a ramp up now when he comes back, if he's good to go at that point. The pitching behind him is frustrating because Taiwan Walker has gone in the tank since the All-Star break. And you think maybe he's hitting the wall because, remember, this is a guy who was injury prone. He's starting tonight as of recording on Tuesday against the Marlins. His ERA has jumped from a two and a half to 371. And if he's hitting the wall, the rotation depth is not really there. Marcus Stroman is a very good number two. He's miscast as your ace. You have Tyler McGill, the rookie. He had a rough start against the Marlins, which that's going to happen for rookies, but it is what it is. Rich Hill is a depth guy. Carlos Carrasco will help. He's got to build up his innings. The thing I'm worried about here is also, A, the offense, which has been non-existent. I know they don't have Francisco Lindor, who's out for a couple of weeks with the oblique injury, but between Pete Alonso, Jeff McNeil, Dominic Smith, Brandon Nimmo, the addition of Javier Baez, they have a lot there. The problem is they are not consistently hitting at the same time. And this is probably going on all year. Michael Conforto is on the interstate still in August, and that's a problem. You wonder... If the fact that he had COVID in the spring is contributing to the fact that he has never been right all season long. So I have Micah Zibanejad for the Rangers. So he got it together. You hope Conforto can get it going. And I'm really getting tired of the guys in the Mets, especially like the Pete Alonso of the world, saying, we're not concerned long-term. It's been an issue. It's not an issue. We'll hit. It's not April anymore, guys. It's August. You have not hit consistently all season. You've had maybe three, four games in a row where you put up like seven runs. It's two, one, three, 
zero, five, two, so on and so forth. This team needs to hit when it has questionable pitching depth. There's enough talent here to outscore the offense on the other team. If you can't, that's a problem. Which makes my other point of attention here, which is the trade deadline where I harped on for weeks that the Mets needed three things that are going to fortify that division lead. Which was a right-handed hitter who can play the infield to help against lefties, who they still can't hit against, by the way. Just ask Jesus Lazaro last night. He had two rough innings that the Mets then cruised after that. You had to get a starting pitcher, and you had to get bullpen help. The Mets got one of those things with Javier Baez. They opted to get a second pitcher, Trevor Williams, who they sent to triple A because they want to keep him stretched out. Instead of taking a better option in Zach Davies, who could flat in rotation right now. That was not a wise decision considering the fact that Tyron Walker may be hitting a wall. Tyler McGill's a rookie. Carlos Carrasco is stretching out. And Rich Hill is Rich Hill. He is a back rotation guy his age. Getting more proven help than Trevor Williams was in priority. In fact, they didn't do his mistake. The bullpen situation was also a mistake because considering the struggle Seth Lugo has had, Edwin Diaz having issues with the closing job, you got Trevor May, Aaron Loop, you know, Kosh has been up and down. Jerry Samili has been good for the most part, but you need one more arm out there, especially when they're still paying the tax of all those TBA games and bullpen games where guys are tired. You need one more key arm that you know, they did not get it. And this week right now is a big spot for the Mets because they've already lost the upper in Miami. They have three more here. They have three with the Phillies. It's their second last series with them this weekend at Citizens Bank Park. Nationals come in next week, but then you have a 13-game stretch against the Dodgers and the Giants, who are two of the best teams in the National League. That stretch could break them if they don't put enough cushion here because the division lead is shrinking. It's only two and a half over the Phillies, who did add to the deadline. They added Ian Kennedy to the bullpen and Kyle Gibson to the rotation. The Braves added every corner after they could find with an OP, OB, RMA stage over 300, under 300 to try to add some slucking in that lineup. They added a controllable reliever in Richard Rodriguez and the Pirates. Those teams know that the Mets are vulnerable. And the Mets have to find a way to string some wins together because if they cannot, this division is going to be much more dangerous for them than they realize. And it feels like at times this group plays the division, say, oh, we'll be fine, we have time. There's 57 games left as a recording. It's August 2nd. August 3rd, excuse me. The bats have to wake up. The guys that are here need to perform. Games against the Marlins and the Nationals who had a massive fire sale are a big gift. You can't be throwing them away because you can't hit. You got to win these games. Got to find a way to get that division home because if you get to September with the Grom tension on the way backs, Noah Syndergaard tension on the way back, you have some help coming. You just got to get there first. Don't fold like a tent in the dog day of summer, please. We'll see how the Mets going forward, but we're going to dive into more of the deadline stuff and the Yankees side of it with Dan Federico right after this. All right, we are back here on the Just End Suffering podcast, talking baseball, talking trade deadline. Join me today, guy found the podcast many times before. Now he is the Yankee contributor to Fan Nation on Sports Illustrated. Uh, Dan Federico is back on the line. This Dan, how are you? What's going on, Mike? Thanks for having me as always. Not a problem. I have to say, I was not planning to do a trade deadline show initially, but when I saw how crazy the action was, I said, I have to do something here. This was so much fun last week. Yeah, I mean, I was talking to a few friends. It was like, 
the the trade deadline was something that I feel like we've never seen before. So much action, so many big names getting moved. Like that's something you rarely see. Just so many top names getting traded. Um, a lot of contenders made moves. A lot of teams that were in the middle came to contender status. I mean, there was a lot going on. So it was, it was a fun week for sure. Yeah, not only the big names move, but like feel like we saw the end of the prospect hugging because a lot of big prospects got moved. The Nationals and they got their top two guys in the Dodgers for sure. and Trey Turner. The Mets and big prospects out. The Yankees and a lot of prospects out. Prospects got flipped like I've never seen in my life. Yeah, you could see the um the difference in philosophies, I guess, between different teams because you know prospects are a big thing for teams that are up and coming, and you know even for some, you could even look towards the Dodgers and the Yankees who have gotten a lot of their current big league talent from their minor league system. But I think one of the big things behind that was a lost year from COVID um, in 2020. Didn't see how these guys performed. Don't know really where they're at. It's kind of hard to tell a few months into 2021. So they're like, might as well get the help now instead of hoping that some of these young guys pan out to something. Absolutely. I mean, the Yankees, especially around the big movers and shakers, of the deadline and going through the first like four months of the year, they had not done a ton and they had that bad series in Boston. You figure, okay, maybe they're done, but how shocked were you to see the Yankees not only buy, but aggressively buy pieces they needed? So I, I was definitely incredibly shocked. Now, the one thing I will say is that I, I didn't think they had enough, you know, any pieces really whatsoever to sell. I mean, you have Chapman, big contract. You probably had to attach a prospect to. Same with Britain. Um, you know, you could maybe trade Chad Green or Gio Urshela or Jordan Montgomery. Those guys have trade value, but I don't really see a point in getting, getting rid of any of those guys when they're a part of your future plans and still under contract with, you know, not a lot of money. So it didn't really make much sense for us to sell. But the fact that they pretty much flipped the script and completely bought said, you know, we're going in on 2021 was something I was not expecting. Now, I do think that this team needed a retool and the moves that they made would have been moves I think would have aligned with this retool process. I figured that would have happened in the offseason, not at the trade deadline. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they get the two lefty bats, Joey Gallo, Anthony Rizzo. They get Andrew Haney. They basically do all sorts of maneuvering to get themselves more lefties in the lineup. I think you can see it early. The results have worked out pretty well, aside from last night's Oriole game. But the lefties have added balance they desperately needed. Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, like you said, it was all about balance. And Yankee Stadium is a park where left-handed hitters feast there. And they just kind of strayed away from that philosophy. I know that they say, you know, the Aaron Judges, uh, John Carlos Stans, Gary Sanchez of the world, when they're hitting at their potential, they can hit to all fields. And I get that. But you still want to have people take advantage of Yankee Stadium. And who better than Joey Gallo and Anthony Rizzo? I mean, they're boppers, middle of the lineup. You could see they were immediate impact impact bats based off where they batted. I mean, first game, they were batting second and fourth. Then Rizzo moves to lead off. I mean, they're, they're top of the lineup hitters, impact bats. Like you said, they've made impact already, especially Anthony Rizzo. I mean, that Miami series, he was on fire. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of big expectations with them. And as a whole, I think it really changed the Yankee season. Now, you see last night, they kind of once again reverted to their ways where they're not, you know, the team that people want them to be. But clearly, the Yankees think they can go all in and, and think they can really have a shot at winning World Series. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the thing I like about these moves is, hey, you know what? Like, the second wild card is attainable here because Oakland's really pulled away from anybody. Toronto is Toronto. They've been having trouble pitching they can hit. And then... I mean, if you get to a one-game playoff with Garrett Cole, you have to think you like your chance at least getting into the uh, divisional series. Exactly. That's the thing. When, when you want to get to that one-game playoff, the number one um, thing on the list I'd say to have is that a starter. And that's what you have in Garrett Cole, where you know that he, he should give you his best day every time he's on the field. Now, I know he's been a little up and down this year, um, still trying to figure out what those issues are behind, um, especially that last game with the Rays. He definitely 
you know, in the first inning, gave up four runs, and then was locked down the rest of the game. But, um, you know, you feel confident with him on the mound in the one-game playoff. And, um, you know, they're still in the AL East race. It's going to be tough, but at the very least, they could get into that wild card game. And, you know, then you have Garrett Cole on the mound, you have a deep lineup, and, you know, you kind of hope for the best. Yeah, the thing I also I also give Ryan Cash and credit for is he's clearly told by House Line Matter you cannot go over the luxury tax under any circumstances. So he did a wizard's job there, try, basically getting every team to pick up all the salary and sending out some prospects. So what do you think about that maneuvering by Cash to not go over the luxury tax? I mean, yeah, that, that was probably the most impressive part of the whole deadline where you're bringing in a Joey Gallo and an Anthony Rizzo, two pretty big names, and you're not paying for them at all. And yeah, they had to give up a little more prospect-wise, but at the same time, they didn't deal, I'd say, a consensus top 12 pick in these moves. So, I mean, a, t- a top 12-ranked prospect in these moves. So they, they, they kept a lot of their big names. Um, you know, they had to add a little more to um, to the Gallo and Rizzo packages for the salary, but in the grand scheme of things, they have so much depth at those positions, especially middle infield and pitching, where they were able to give up some of these guys and, and keep their bigger names um, in the system. So it was really a win-win all around for Cashman. Yeah, absolutely. It's, and you're more tapped into the Yankee Farces than I am. And can you speak a little bit some of the guys that give up in those trades? Are there anybody you really think could be like big players down the line? Is it more of like a quantity over quality kind of deal with these with these trades? Well, I mean, it was definitely a quality, uh, quantity over quality simply because of the amount of prospects they gave up. I mean, that much is obvious, of course. But Josh Smith, Trevor Howard, that they, Trevor Howard, I'm sorry, that they sent to Texas for Joey Gallo. I mean, they're two middle infield prospects. I mean, Josh Smith, the Yankees are deep and he's young still, but there are a lot of high hopes for him. Both he and Trevor Halver are expected to be major league hitting pieces. They don't really know exactly where Halver is going to play defensively. Um, he's played middle infield. Some people think he may have to go to the outfield, but his bat is definitely something that could get him to the majors. Same with Josh Smith, very versatile, good shortstop. Um, and Glenn Otto, another one that went to the Rangers. He's, um, He's somebody who can make it to the to the majors as early as this season. Uh, he's a strikeout pitcher, got promoted to AAA. He's been in the system for a while, but slowly climbed. So he's another name to watch out for. The Cubs package, a little lesser names. I mean, Alexander Vizcaino, he's another one who, potential, but he's not a top five pitching prospect in the system. Um, same with Kevin Alcantara. I mean, they're, they're both guys who are good. Um, they're definitely going to boost the Cubs system. But I wouldn't say, again, the Yankees really lost that much of value compared to what they were able to keep in their system. Yeah, that's that's certainly a good thing. I know those top prices didn't get touched. The one thing I'm a little surprised by with them is that they did decide to go for is they didn't really do a ton pitching-wise aside from Andrew Heaney and Clay Holmes. Are you surprised they did not make more of a push to add some pitching to help the group? Uh, you know what? I, I think they do have a lot of arms that they want to try out in their minor league system that they think could possibly be a starter or a reliever where they kind of throw them and see what they have. I mean, reports are that Louis Gill is going to get the call for Garrett Cole, who's now on a COVID. He's one of their top pitching prospects. So you'll see him soon, um, you know, comp-wise, size anyway. He's got like a batansis. He's tall, um, throws really hard, has a good mix. Um, but, you know, there are questions about will he stick as a starter? Could they move him to the bullpen and maybe unleash more potential like they did with Batansis and Chad Green and Jonathan Lewisigan now? Um, but they have a lot of guys in their system that they believe in. Um, but at the same time, I think they were in on the pitching market, but that market was steep. I mean, obviously, Max Scherzer wasn't willing to go to New York, both the Yankees or the Mets. But to Barrios, he was somebody who the Blue Jays gave up a ton for. Um, I know the Yankees were involved in talks, but they definitely weren't willing to to match the price that the Blue Jays gave up, um, which is understandable. I mean, Barrios is somebody who is under contract for a while, has a lot of potential, but 
Um, you know, sometimes when you get to that New York market, you don't, you kind of want more of a proven player if you're going to make that big of an acquisition. So um, I wasn't surprised to see them lay off. I know once those two dominoes fell, a lot of those secondary guys were going to be available. Andrew Heaney was the one they picked. Um, obviously, he didn't have a great showing yesterday, but uh, he's somebody who, you know, they, they think could be a swingman, could start. Um, he, he's versatile, a lefty. You know, you, I think it's always important for the Yankees to have a lefty in their starting rotation. Um, so the more the merrier along with Jordan Montgomery. So I wasn't surprised. I thought they could have, you know, maybe paid a little more to, to get maybe a bigger reliever or, um, you know, went a little more in on that. But at the same time, uh, the, the prices were kind of outrageous. Yeah, the bullpen was really where, more where I was focused on because obviously they shipped off Luis Sessa and Justin Wilson to Cincinnati to clear room under the tax for some of these other moves they're making, and they lost Darren O'Day for the year. I know that it, guys like Loisaga have stepped up, but I do feel like that unit is something that they have to keep an eye on. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I know Clay Holmes, uh, you know, when you kind of look at his stats, they're not great, but he's a big sinker ball pitcher, gets a ton of ground ball out, so they like how his game is going to translate to Yankee Stadium, whether or not, um, his numbers on the surface are that great. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, they could have went for these, you know, there, there were a ton of uh, relievers available. You know, you see Kim, Craig Kimbrell getting moved and Daniel Hudson and names like that all getting shipped out. But I think the prices uh, were getting kind of steep. And you know what? You saw how the Yankees kind of maneuvered outside of the Heaney deal. Uh, they kind of stayed away from deadline day moves. I mean, they did the Clay Holmes move a week ago and then Joey Gallo was a few days before the deadline. Same with Rizzo. Um, so, the price, the market became a seller's market big time the day of the deadline, and the price, the price tags for these pitchers went really high. Um, I guess the Yankees were kind of laying back to see what happened and kind of just didn't fall their way. But uh, yeah, I mean, Holmes is going to be good. They still have a lot of questions. Britton, Shaky, Chadman, you know, it's kind of up and down as always with him. Wise, a good green, you like what you see there. But yeah, could could have done more for sure. Yeah, let's talk about the division, mate, because four of the five teams in the division made moves to get better side of the Yankees. I mean. Toronto gets Barrios, they get Brad Hand, they get a bunch of bullpen arms. Tampa obviously goes out and gets Nelson Cruz early. The Red Sox get Kyle Schwarber. Like, what do you think about what the moves the division made? Like, who would concern you the most in that division? It's hard to say because you know I I up and down on giving the Blue Jays a ton of credit. Um, I mean they they have a great young team. Don't get me wrong. I mean in terms of will they compete this year and really get that far? I feel like they're still very early in their stages, obviously, and it'll be hard for them to kind of hold it through. But, I mean, they're performing well. The Red Sox are obviously exceeding expectations. And, you know, you, you hear this a lot with Brian Cashman when they say an injured player is like a trade acquisition. You know, they're going to be getting Chris Dale back soon. Now, no matter how he's pitching in the minors, that'll be a boost, um, along with Kyle Schwarber, who is hurt, but he's another big bat in that lineup. Uh, the Rays, too, are always making noise. Um, you know, it's tough. I mean, it's competitive division as always. Um, the second wild card obviously gives a lot of team, more teams the fact, the feeling that they could compete. And that's clearly here in the American League East. And it's going to be a battle the way through. I mean, I, I'm really impressed that everybody, uh, except for the Orioles, feels like they could, they have a chance to get into the postseason. Yeah, and I think you look at the Yankees right now, like this is sort of their runway here in August, make a run because, I mean, aside from a couple of games of the White Sox, Red Sox, and A's, they're playing a lot of bad teams. This is a chance for them to make their move. If they don't get there by the end of August, then you think you'd be a little concerned. Yeah, but they have to beat these teams like the Orioles who they just can't seem to put away. And they, they have to put those inconsistencies inside. Now, you're getting to that point where, okay, is it a trend or is it just really who they are? And I'm starting to lean with who they are. I mean, it's pretty obvious that they, they have trouble putting teams away. I mean, the Marlins series, I tweeted this last night. I mean, it was a little bit of hyperbole, but it was, you know, probably the biggest game of the season last night. You're coming off a sweep. You have two big acquisitions. Stadium was packed last night. And you, and you craft the bet against the Orioles. I mean, to, to be fair. 
So it's something where the team is just up and down all year. They can't seem to get everything going at the right time. But again, their moves that they made shows that they're trying to go for it no matter what happens. So they're going to be inconsistent. I feel like that's the team that they had this year. But in the end, they're going to be in it towards the end of the season. Yeah, I also want to touch you real quick on the Met move because obviously I know you're, you're you're tapped in pretty well on the baseball scene there. The Mets make the one move for Javi Baez. I know they had some other things in the iron, did not work. It feels like for them that deadline was very underwhelming. Yeah, I mean, I like most people thought Chris Bryant was probably the best fit. Although JD Martinez, I'm sorry, excuse me, JD Davis is playing pretty well. Um, but you know, he, he Chris Bryant's versatile. I think he was still an upgrade, and you want these guys that are. You know, winners. I mean, he's won a World Series, but at the same time, you get Javi Baez, who I thought it was a really good move. I thought it was a good package to give up. I mean, Pierre Armstrong is somebody who they drafted 2020, um, obviously a high upside prospect, but Javi Baez has a ton of chemistry with Francisco Lindor as he came out days before the deadline um, in the media saying he played second base for him. Um, he has a swagger that I think the Mets fans and the, the organization will embrace as another element to their team. Um, I know they were in it with Barrios. Um, the trade package that uh, they were looking at was really high. I mean, I heard it was Dom Smith, J.D. Davis, and Mauricio, uh, the shortstop prospect. So that's, you know, a steep package for somebody like uh, Barrios. And, you know, they were tapped in on a lot. They obviously looked at Scherzer. Um, they were in on a couple of these relief pitchers. But at the same time, you know, they, they wanted to hold on to, I guess, what they had. They didn't want to shake it up too much. And, you know, they, I, I think they did the right thing. I, I like the move they made. Um Obviously, you want more pitching, but they're going to ride out what they have. Yeah, I think what the Mets experience the deadline, I'm sure you realize, is that their farm system beyond their top guys is not very deep, whereas other teams could put more stuff on the table. A seller's market, that really hurt them. Exactly. It was, like I said, early on in the, the trade deadline, it was buyers. I mean, like we said, we talked about it. We could rehash it. Gallo, Rizzo, what the Yankees got to get, uh, to get them while not taking on any salary. Clearly a buyer's market, but... Once the day came of uh, July 31st, man, these prices skyrocketed. I mean, like we said, you see what Scherzer and Turner got. You see what Barrios got. Um, some of these relievers, uh, you saw what the White Sox had to give up for uh, Craig Kimbrell. So, like you said, it was a seller's market. Um, Mets tried. I mean, they were definitely in on a lot of conversations. But, like you said, when you don't have that depth and you can't give up that quantity, it's kind of tough without giving up a top prospect. Yeah, absolutely. We'll see what – if. That move ends up working out for them in the long term. Obviously, I have concerns with them. I said at the top of the show. But, Dan, thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. Before I let you go, I can be your fond social media. Keep off some of the stuff you're up to. I appreciate it, Mike, as always. You guys can just follow me at Dan J. Federico on Twitter. Always updating. And then, like we said in the beginning, under Fan Nation on Sports Illustrated, I'll be writing Yankees articles a couple of weeks under their B-writer, Max Goodman, who's a great guy. Great follow, too, on Twitter with all Yankee stuff. So that's where you can find me, doing all my work there. And, yeah, appreciate it as always, Mike. All right. Thanks for all the time, Dan. I really appreciate it. Of course, man. Thank you. The two-minute drill. All right, two-minute drill time. We're going to dive into the NFL a little bit because training camps are open. We're going to get more into the camp stuff next couple of weeks. College football, too, coming up next couple of weeks. But let's look at this NFL COVID vaccine policy they're enacting here because if unless you live under a rock, you know that the COVID is not over. This Delta variant wave is going to be a big issue in the U.S., a lot of cases rising on the unvaccinated people. Even seeing some of the vaccinated folks getting minor infections. Yankee fans know this because Garrett Cole, who was vaccinated, tested positive and now missed his start. This is a problem. The NFL knows it's a problem. And they're concerned about the potential of these COVID outbreaks causing issues with the schedule. Because, remember, last year they played majority of the schedule without fans. Or very limited numbers, the places that were playing with them. 
They want to make sure that their teams can play these games on time. So they are making life very difficult for the unvaccinated. We already knew for a fact that the league was going to make the unvaccinated follow the 2020 rules, which is you have to wear the mask in the facility. You can't go outside your hotel room on the road. You have to live the hermit style at home while the vaccinated can basically go back to normal life, like 2019 rules. There was a memo sent to the teams about a week and a half ago, courtesy of NFL Network's Tom Palacero got the leak of it. That line more potential applications for COVID outbreaks. Here's what the tweet said. The big takeaways. The league is planning on playing its entire 17-game schedule over 18 weeks. There is no plan right now for a 19th week of the season. Again, they want to make sure these guys are vaccinated so they don't have to be moving games all over the place that they were in the middle of last season. Vaccinated individuals will test positive for COVID like Derek Cole did for the Yankees. Let's say, for example, a guy on the Jets tests positive for COVID, but he had the vaccine. He could return for two negative tests 24 hours apart if they did not have symptoms. The unvaccinated guys had to isolate for 10 days regardless of the test results. So if you are positive tested and not vaccinated, you have to stay up 10 days. If a postponed game cannot be rescheduled, this is a big thing here. The team that has the outbreak is forced to forfeit and receive a loss for playoff team purposes. So let's use, for example, Washington, because I know they're having issues getting people vaccinated. Despite the fact that their coach has a current survivors and plead with them to get the vaccine, a lot of them are still resistant. If Washington has an outbreak, miss a game, can't be rescheduled, Washington gets a loss in the playoff seating. That means they're automatically down a game, which is a problem. The club with the outbreak among the unvaccinated players would face financial penalties and players from both teams would not get paid for that week. So let's say, for example, Washington is playing the Giants. That means not only does Washington not get paid, the Giant guys don't get paid either. This is not a vaccine mandate because the NFL and the PA do not want to force the vaccine on their case of some high-profile guy who decides, you know what, I'm not going to take it, I'm not going to play football. What the NFL is trying to do is make it very difficult on these guys who choose not to receive a vaccine, which is very point which will be very safe, can, can keep you out of the hospital, even against the Delta variant. And be fair, at the time of the tweet, the NFL's chief medical officer, Alan Sill, said that 80% of NFL players received at least one vaccine shot, 19% are 90% vaccinated, and just 5 or under 70%. So they've done a pretty good job. They got a lot of people vaccinated, which is better than the general population. But they are trying to encourage the hesitant here by putting some pressure on them in the locker room. The idea is you don't want, say, if you're the Bills, they're going to try and get to the team to say pressure Cole Beads and say, hey, Cole, get the vaccine. Don't screw this up for us. Will this work? I don't know. We will see. It might take more Delta spreading to get some of these people to reconsider because as we've seen parts of the country where there were vaccine hesitancy, the numbers have started to tick up in terms of vaccinations, which is good. We will see if this works in the NFL because not being vaccinated can be a competitive disadvantage considering the protocols involved if you happen to catch COVID. We will see this. What happens? We'll be fascinating to watch over the next couple of weeks what happens here, especially gets close to the regular season. That's going to do it for this week's show. I want to thank my guest Dan Federico for coming on. Talk about the Yankees, the trade deadline in general, which is still interesting to see the Yankees went for it. And they have no reason not to. They are right in range of that second wild card spot. Get there. Have Garrett Cole throwing that game. You never know. Remember, we still like this podcast, including 
I got a couple of things in the blog for you. I got the personal Star Wars movie rankings up there, my entire list from one of the 11 of the live-action films. I have my justification for why I put them where I did there. Plus, my thoughts on what the Knicks are trying to do in free agency because they basically brought the band back together. They signed Evan Fournier. They basically tapped out their cap room for the next three years. Check that all out of the blog at justendthesuffering.wordpress.com. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, all the usual suspects. Simply search for Just and the Self your favorite podcast platforms. You can find all episodes there. Feel free for your feedback and star rings well with the podcast even better going forward. You can check out my YouTube page, Mike Phillips on YouTube. I have the individual conversations from this episode. My chat with Dan's up there. Plus the video version of the Star Wars podcast is up on YouTube. You can check that out there as well. You can also follow me on Twitter at mphillips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-3-3-1 on the Twitter. And that's all I got for you this week on the podcast. It's been a fun run here. Coming up next week on the podcast, we have some interesting stuff going on here. We're going to wrap up the Olympics. We'll get into training camp stuff, talk some hard knocks, and more. Until I hope you have a better week than Rockies fans. This has been the Just End the Suffering Podcast. I'm out.